This is A Better Life from Feeding Two Worlds. I'm Virginia Laura. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you got it out? That sounds good, yeah. Um, There's so something 26-year-old Xuan Liu never leaves home without. I can show you, actually. So, I always keep the first, like, prototype card in my is this, wallet. Is like, your wallet? Your- it is. <laughs> so I keep it as, as if it's an actual card. <laughs> She reaches past her vaccine card, bank card, and work permit to pull out a small laminated piece of paper. So this card in my hand is a hand-drawn green card that I made for myself. So it says, United States of America Permanent Resident. Last year, about half a million people applied to become lawful permanent residents of the United States. If approved, they're issued a government document known as a green card, or a permanent resident card, allowing them to live and work legally in the U.S. It's an expensive and often nerve-wracking process that can take years. So what if the process to get a green card took 15 minutes? And what if everyone was automatically approved? This is the world that two immigrant artists from Philadelphia invite us to imagine through the fake green cards project. On this special edition of A Better Life, we bring you a story from Immigrants in a Divided Country, a new multimedia series from Feeding Two Worlds, exploring the current political landscape from the perspective of immigrants. We're asking, what role do immigrants play in these controversies? And how are they impacted? The social engagement art pieces created by Xuan Liu and Yokun Zhou explore both the symbolism behind this government-issued ID and what it means to belong in America. Producer Dania Abdelhamid spent time with them at a recent art fair in New York City. Maybe you've seen a green card before. Or maybe you haven't. They look like most other ID cards. There's a headshot in the corner, a fingerprint, and then, of course, things like the person's name, birthday, and country of birth. All that to say... Everything about a green card is very serious and official looking. And I don't think anyone has ever looked at one and thought, oh, how cute. But maybe after seeing Schwinn's green card, they would. When you look at hers, the lines are a bit crooked, the word permanent is missing a letter, and there's a smiling cartoon drawing of Schwinn where a stoic headshot usually goes. In the background is the Supreme Court building and the Statue of Liberty painted with blue and yellow watercolors. And then there's your surname, your given name, the USCIS number. I think it's the immigration department that's handling all the documentations or the process. And category, which I still don't know for sure what that means, but I just put art. And then country of birth, date of birth, your sex. And the card expires date and then resident since. And then put card expires never and resident since now. I wanted to feel like whenever I look at this card, it always starts from this moment. And that is what I wrote on every card that I issued. Yes, there are other fake green cards floating around in the world issued by Schwinn. I'm not afraid to deliberately say that I am making fake green cards. Schwinn is an artist and filmmaker. She makes these lookalike documents as part of the fake green cards project. 
It's a public art project issuing fake green cards to anyone, anywhere who would like one. They do pop-ups at community fairs and art markets, like this one in February 2023 at a small storefront turned art gallery in Brooklyn. Schwinn and her project partner, Yokwin Joe, had a small table set up right by the door. But um, I'll do her first. And okay, then... sure. Anyone could walk in, fill out a short form, like a quarter of a page short, and get a fake green card made by Schwinn and Yokwin. And the whole thing took less than 15 minutes. It's quite the contrast to a real-life green card application process, which in some cases can take years, involves a lot more paperwork, and as of 2023, costs thousands of dollars. Schwinn uses art to address political and social issues. And she says the project grew out of a difficult experience she had in her first year as an international student in the U.S. She had just graduated from film school in China and found herself in a master's program at Syracuse University in central New York. I just applied all the schools with programs that has video in their title without knowing much about the school or where exactly is the school. And Syracuse was very different from Kaifeng, the city in north-central China where Xuan grew up. To start, it was smaller, colder. And I was speaking a language that I wasn't that familiar with, trying to make new friends, trying to figure out how do I go to groceries. <laughs> Because in China, the house I grew up in is actually in a farmer's market. So the whole street is an agriculture market every day. And I was just so surprised. How do people (laughs) go to grocery stores? Groceries aside, the transition was hard. And it got even harder when tax season rolled around. I just heard a friend casually asking, did you file your tax yet? I was like, what? What (laughs) What are you talking about? As an international student on an F-1 visa, Schwinn had to fill out something called a Form 8843. It's a four-page document that asks for your name, your address, immigration status, passport number, those kinds of things. And at the time, Schwinn lived in a very small apartment. And the only place she could work was in her bedroom closet. In the closet, there's a rack, which is a clothing rack. So I just brought my laptop and put it on the rack. And I said, um, I don't even know where those informations are from and what those numbers and letters stands for. According to the IRS, it takes on average 13 hours to file a standard individual tax return. Schwinn wasn't filling out a standard return, but she was filling out a tax form written in a language that she was still learning, all alone, in a new country with no support system. On top of that, filling this form out correctly could be part of what determined if she could stay here. Because paying taxes is one way immigrants can demonstrate quote-unquote good moral character when applying for citizenship or permanent residency. So when Schwinn was on her laptop in this cramped space, it was so much more than just the form in front of her. It was quite depressing <laughs> when I think back to where I was. But back then, my struggle was mostly about being an alien to this country. That's the other thing. Form 8843 has a bolded line at the top that says, for use by alien individuals only. Alien is a word used on immigration forms and other legal documents. 
And on these forms, it refers to anyone who is not a citizen of the United States. Someone who's on a student visa, like Schwinn, is legally an alien. Someone who's a refugee is an alien. Someone with a green card. They're all legally aliens. But legal term or not, hunched over in her bedroom closet, Schwinn just found it all to be... So strange and also overwhelming at that moment. I was just thinking, oh, what if I have a green card? I don't have to file all those documentations just to prove who I am or just to prove that I am legal to be here, whatever that means. So I looked up the images of green cards because I'd never seen one before. She noted the layout, the colors, the words. And I just duplicated. Right then and there, she issued herself a green card. And by making this fake document, she temporarily created a different reality for herself. One that was easier. The card added on casualness or a layer of playfulness to something that's heavy and serious. She even made one for her dog, Hegel. Hegel is the German philosopher. Hegel is also the pronunciation of a Chinese word, black dog. But once the ink and paint dried, Schwinn was pulled back to her current reality. I still need to go back and face all the actual things that I was struggling about. But I felt good about being able to laugh about what I did. It was a laugh. But it certainly wasn't a social engagement art project. And for the next two years, that would be the case. It wasn't until Schwinn finished her grad program at Syracuse, moved to Philadelphia, and got a job at an arts nonprofit that she met her collaborator, Yo Quinn Joe. And together, they created the Fake Green Cards Project. She and I ended up getting lunch, and we just started chatting. I think we connected over our time, like being a student in the U.S. I had just started my program in educational linguistics. I'm very much thinking about language, the use of it, and um, also, I guess, having had um, relatively recently immigrated to the U.S. and kind of going through that process. Like Schwinn, Yo Quinn moved to the U.S. on a student visa back in 2013 for college. But a few years later, she was able to get a green card through her mom. You know, she had me much later in life, so she retired early on when I was going through middle school and high school. While Yoquen was in school here in the U.S., her mom was having some major health issues. They decided it would be best if they weren't thousands of miles away from one another. So her mom started the green card application process. By 2016, both Yoquen and her mom were here in the U.S. as permanent residents. And over lunch, Yoquen and Schwinn talked about all of this. It didn't take long for them to realize that they had both been thinking about green cards and what they represent. So I remember that one time in Dallas, I was, tra- I was coming back from um, traveling for work. Yoquin had a connecting flight from Dallas back to Philly, but she got pulled aside for further questioning going through customs. Typical waiting room, kind of rows of chairs. I was facing the front, and then on the right side, it was like glass windows. Behind the glass were immigration and custom enforcement agents. Yoquin could see her maroon passport with her green card tucked between the pages, sitting on the shelf. She tried to ask the agents to review her documents promptly so she could catch her flight. But she says they just told her to sit and wait. You think about having this, right? And that would make all your transitions so much smoother. And then you realize, well, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, what means more is, like, 
how I look and um, how I present. So I think that that relates to our project as well. When Xuan pulled out her fake green card at lunch and showed it to Yoquin, Yoquin was thinking about that experience in Dallas. She was also thinking about her experience as a new permanent resident in this country and about a paper she wrote for one of her classes, which she told Schwinn about. An essay on the terminology and language used in immigration documentation. So I said, oh, that's exactly what this project is about. Remember, Yoquin is studying linguistics. So for this paper, she looked into a few different terms used to talk about immigrants and immigration. One of those terms was the phrase illegal immigrant. And in her research, she came across the Drop the I-Word campaign, a big public push in 2010 to get people, including everyday people, politicians, the media, really everyone, to stop using the word illegal when describing immigrants. Rinku Sen was the executive director of the organization behind the campaign, a racial and social justice nonprofit called Race Forward. She says at the time the campaign launched, The feeling among immigrants was mad. They were furious at having, having that word chase them everywhere they went, whether they had papers or not. So drop the I word came out of wanting to use our power in a way that also changed some part of the culture. She said this was also an era when immigration advocates were having a hard time getting pro-immigration policies through Congress. So they thought, where else can we move the needle? And then they realized. Power operates in culture. The popular conception is that power only operates in politics and economy and that everything else is somehow natural, you know, and that's just not true. There's very little you win politically that you haven't also won culturally. And culturally speaking, the term illegal immigrant was often referring to immigrants from certain countries. For most people, when they think of quote-unquote illegals, they think of Latinos, especially um, individuals from Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. This is Cecilia Menjivar, professor of sociology at the University of California, Los Angeles. She told me that the term illegal immigrant associates immigrants from these countries, especially black and brown immigrants, with criminality. And that has real impacts, regardless of someone's immigration status. They tend to be more likely to be placed in detention, deported, as consequence of their quote-unquote illegality. This is not just language. It has very real consequences for people to live in this condition. So when Rinku is talking about winning culturally, this is what she means. It's about changing the cultural narratives about immigrants. Narratives that can impact their lives just as much as laws and policy do. So Rinku and her colleagues at Race Forward decide to put pressure on one outlet in particular. We decided to focus on the Associated Press. Their style guide sets the content for millions of outlets around the world. It's hard to say exactly how many outlets reference the Associated Press style guide, but either way, it is the standard for a lot of newsrooms. Our one demand was remove illegal immigrant from your style guide. We insisted that it wasn't okay as a noun and it wasn't okay as a descriptor, either of the immigrant or of the immigration. And after more than three years, they won. 
the Associated Press dropped the term illegal immigrant from their style guide. But this didn't totally phase out the term. In fact, in 2018, during the Trump presidency, CNN reported the Justice Department put out a memo asking U.S. attorneys' offices to use illegal immigrant instead of undocumented immigrant, which is what some people started using as a replacement. And then in 2021, the Justice Department, under the Biden administration, issued another memo recommending the opposite thing. This one asked staff to use language that is quote-unquote consistent with our character as a nation of opportunity and of welcome. So there's been a bit of back and forth. But still, when Yo Quinn read about the Drop the I-Word campaign for her class paper, she could connect the dots between the campaign, the fake green card that Schwinn had issued herself, and her own experience going through customs in Dallas. Not only do IDs define us, they also define us with an expiration date. Like, you're legit till this time. And after that time, which for some immigrants is the starting point, you're illegal. And that's when Shun and I start talking about this. And I'm like, oh, language plays a huge part in this. And we could kind of play with it so that people think about language and particular words or ways that they're defined by these words in this tiny little card. That's why the fake green cards Yoquin and Schwinn make, they say resident since now and expires never. With these fake green cards, Yoquin and Schwinn are saying the same thing Rinku at Race Forward was saying over a decade ago, that no one is illegal. I think that's very much the center of it is like, this is not valid, but we're saying it is, you know? At the community arts market in Brooklyn that you heard earlier, nearly 20 people got fake green cards. It's official now. <laughs> hey! We might want to let it dry for a bit and yeah. we'll have a scan of it and then you can take it with you. Awesome, thank you. All right. Congratulations. I'm honored. I'm so happy. People can really put whatever on it. You can make things up. Yeah, we're not taking your answers like of like why you're here, like really asking as they would in an actual uh, application for a green card. Schwinn neatly copies over the person's biographical information and draws them using colored pencils. Going well. The workload is on Shen right now. I am under a lot of pressure right now. She's on 42, and we're, uh, the request is we're at 50, 51. So we, got, we got a line. <laughs> a bit of a wait time. But no one seemed to mind the wait. In fact, it made even more space for people to reflect on their immigration experiences. My name is Elisa. Um, Castro. And when I got here like six months ago, I got a job and I had to get my social security number. So it was like this document that had the box alien. And I was like, this is so weird to me. Like, why am I considered an alien? And it just, using that word says a lot about how the U.S. perceives us. This is Leia. I'm actually Canadian, but I still do wake up every day in a sweat thinking about my visa and my green card. I've been in the U.S. on a student visa, and it's always the thought of, like, at the end of eight years, like, I will have built a life here. The last time I'll have lived in my home country, I'll have been 17. By faking the green card application process, Schwinn and Yoquin invited people to play. And they gave them permission to share openly and honestly about what's gained and lost 
in the immigration process. And Schwinn says this might not have happened if this was a seminar or a lecture instead of an art project. I feel like sometimes a lot of questions couldn't be answered or explored in any other ways. But one thing that surprised me was a few people were like, yeah, I'm not thinking about applying for one, <laughs> like in real life, not with our table. Or like they have a green card now and they're not thinking about citizenship. Yeah, it was nice to kind of be removed from this like U.S.-centric perspective, engaging with many people who are like, I don't want to give up my citizenship because it means a lot to me or because I don't want to go through this process. It's not worth it. It's laborious and emotionally taxing, and I don't want that. Hearing stories and experiences like these was a breath of fresh air for the artists. It was unexpected. And as the small gallery in Brooklyn emptied out and Schwinn and Yoquin processed the last fake green card application, they felt proud of the project they had nurtured together. It makes me feel good to see people are sharing that they actually have the same struggle, and they're glad to see that I'm doing this. Schwinn and Yoquin don't know where exactly they'll be issuing fake green cards next, but they can already see the fake green cards project growing into something bigger. We're hoping to build up some kind of community throughout this whole process and eventually make some kind of publication like books or zines. I think both of us like the uncertainty of, of this, you know, very much in line with both of our lives. I like that this project's kind of like coming along with both of us. For Feed in Two Worlds, I'm Danya Abdelhamid. This story was produced for A Better Life by Danya Abdelhamid. To see images from the Fake Green Cards Project, visit our website at fi2w.org. That's fi, the number two, w.org. This story was mixed and mastered by our technical director, Jocelyn Gonzalez. Quincy Suresmith is our managing editor. Alejandro Salazar-Dyer is our director of marketing. And Isabella Josha is our intern. The executive producer of Feeding Two Worlds is John Rudolph. Our theme music and original score are by Farid Sajjan. Immigrants in a Divided Country is a multimedia online magazine series by Feeding Two Worlds that explores the current political landscape from the perspective of immigrants. You can find links to additional stories in the series in our episode notes. To listen to earlier episodes of A Better Life, visit abetterlifepodcast.com. That's abetterlifepodcast.com. I'm Virginia Lorda. Thank you for listening. A Better Life and Feet Into Worlds are supported by the Ford Foundation, the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, the David and Catherine Moore Family Foundation, the Ralph E. Ogden Foundation, an anonymous donor and readers and listeners like you. Support our work that brings immigrant voices and award-winning journalism to public radio, podcasts, and digital news sites. Make a tax-deductible contribution today at abetterlifepodcast.com. That's abetterlifepodcast.com.